Alright, welcome to MacroMTL. I am your host, Cédric Galland. This is the second episode of the show. Uh, the last episode happened before the winter break. Uh, it was a while back, so there's a few things to talk about here. A few uh, new uh, developments in terms of international news. So, I guess let's get right into it. So, let's talk about COVID measures. Now, I know... Okay, I know, COVID is beyond tired subject. I get it, I'm in the news, uh, the news uh, kind of media uh, circle. This has been nothing short of mind-numbing. But, uh, I'd like to make some comparisons here because uh, there seems to be a difference in uh, COVID response uh, throughout the world. So, there's a difference between Quebec and well, many other places. So, Quebec, I mean, in the last month, uh, we have felt the sharp pain of a curfew. Uh, we're still feeling the sharp pain of <laughs> restrictive, very restrictive confinement. Uh, no restaurants, no, uh, no bars, no really outside events. Uh, and these restrictions, they're kind of slowly, really, snail's pace, uh, getting alleviated with the schools shortly coming back uh, in person. But, I mean, let's be fair here. Quebec has been highly, highly restrictive when you compare to other places in the world. And also, I mean... Legault's government is slowly starting to lose um, lose a lot of people with um, his approach. Uh, recently, uh, Dr. Horacio Arruda left his post as a, a public health minister, I think, or public health director, not quite sure. And um, this has left a feeling of, you know, the, of distrust because... People think that, including myself, people think that he's starting to be, to, to improvise, improvise a lot of his decisions, which, I mean, is, this can't be good. But I digress. Let's, let's actually talk about international response and what other countries are doing to kind of get a perspective over how COVID is now more of a, it's less of a unified front when it comes to how to tackle COVID. And it's now more up to every country and how they feel about COVID. You know, there's a diverging understanding of COVID as in uh, some people or some countries think that COVID is more like a flu. And some, some countries still think that COVID is a threat, a major threat to public health. So... Let's first talk about the USA. Now, I've got a clip here. Uh, it's from an interview that Kamala Harris, the uh, vice president, uh, did with uh, NBC News. And well, it, it, it's, it's not looking good for her and the administration. Uh, I mean, let's just boot it up right now here. At what point does the administration say, you know what? The strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. 
Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. And so right now we know we still have a number of people that, that is in the millions of Americans who have not been vaccinated and could be vaccinated, and we are urging them to get vaccinated because it will save their life. At, at what point but, does the administration acknowledge these people aren't going to get the shot? They're just not going to do it. I don't believe in giving up on people, Craig. I really don't. So the interviewer, uh, the journalist who interviewed her, I mean, I, I have to agree he's he is being like forceful with her all throughout the interview. And but I mean, we're talking about the vice president of the United States here. We're talking about one of the most media trained people in the world. And she absolutely fumbled the bag here like she couldn't get a sentence through. And it was it, it's quite honestly difficult to listen through <laughs> and you know it kind of talks about the usa covid response it's been a very hot topic right now because the joe biden administration and how they handled covid is very much debated um uh, but from what i have to say i have an interesting statistics here uh it, it's i don't know it, 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 when i saw that it just it, it it made me feel some type of way um it's vaccination rate. So in the USA right now, uh, the US is 62.46% vaccinated. Uh, double vaxxed. Now that, you know, compared to the world, how is that? Well, <laughs> let me tell you, Iran is at 62.48%. So, bear in mind all the history between Iran and the USA, they are more vaccinated than the USA themselves. Now, does that speak to anything? I don't know. But it's just an interesting little fact that I'm throwing out there. So in terms of other places that are putting in restrictions, uh, or <laughs> well, in that case, removing them, uh, we've got England. And recently, they announced that they would be removing almost all restrictions, like obligated, mandated governmental restrictions, as of the 30th of January. So I'm going to let Boris Johnson speak on this. So here's a clip. So this morning, the cabinet concluded that because of the extraordinary booster campaign, together with the way the public have responded to the Plan B measures, we can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. Yeah. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Yeah. Mr. Speaker. Yeah. 
Mr. Speaker, from, from, tomorrow, from tomorrow we will no longer require face masks in classrooms and the Department, and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. I mean, I, I just find it funny how absolutely hyped uh, the uh, elected officials got there when uh, Boris announced that uh, there won't be any more mandated mask wearing. Um, so yeah, you can see the difference in approach here because uh, he, I, I think uh, one part that uh, interesting part that he said was that he would put the trust in the English people. Now that's a completely different approach to what we have here. Like <laughs> when I mean completely, I mean completely the reverse of what we have here, I feel like, uh, but, uh, that's like an interesting little event that happened. Uh, there's a bunch more different kind of restrictions that are happening in Europe. I think Austria got the mandatory vaccination for everyone, which is a first, uh, France is still being kind of, uh, uh more restrictive about it. So when I told early, I told you earlier that, uh, the, COVID response is diverging. We're really diverging here. Uh, it's not as unified as last year where uh, the there was an international unified response. It was vaccines. It was uh, lockdowns. It was uh, and everything, right? But now people and governments are, are kind of finding their own ways to tackle with COVID. Um, so in terms of like the World Health Organization, right? Their response remains uh, rather consistent to what they've always been saying, especially since uh, uh, variants started to pop up everywhere. And that's uh, their response is very much to vaccinate low-income countries. And to me, this still feels like the right thing to do here because... When we're talking variants, variants are popping up in places that uh, are low income or low vaccination rate countries. The last one Omicron came from South Africa and South Africa has, I'm, I'm pretty certain, an extremely low vaccination rate. So their response is kind of get one, vac one dose to everyone, which is, I, I think it's going to stamp out the, uh, the 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 covid just worldwide and avoid the creation of new variants and that's the important part here because we don't want new variants variants are getting pretty wild these days omicron pretty wild variant right there i mean it's been it's been pretty consistently destroying everything right uh like right now the cases are going they're lowering but i'm not confident that there won't be another variant. So, we'll see how that goes. Let's close the story for now. Uh, this is an ongoing story, obviously. So, let's just, you know, keep, keep each other posted. You know, follow the news. Not so much. Uh, not too much, that is. 
because uh, mental health and all that. But next story. So there's going to be a new minimum wage rise in Quebec. So the Quebec's minimum wage is going to raise to 14 and 25 cents uh, in May, which is, I mean, when you talk about rising minimum wage, it's always, I remember when uh, I was young and there was the first, uh, the first minimum wage rise, uh, like it was what, 10 something to 11 something. Great. What a blast we had. Now it's at 14, 25. Um, which is an interesting number. I mean, I, when I was young, if like when I was 16 and was doing some minimum wage work, 1425 sounds like a blast, but union and labor groups are saying that it's not enough to combat inflation, which is, I, I, I understand that. And it's, it's a good point. Um, cause I mean, inflation com- continuously growing and we're not getting paid in accordance with that inflation growth. Um, and labor groups are saying that it would need, a, it, the minimum wage would need to be $18 an hour to live with dignity, just to live with dignity. And I mean, living with dignity, it, 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 I don't know what that entails, but I guess it's a minimum standard of living. Uh, so it's not going to be, it's still going to be a pretty modest life for sure. So I wanted to take that number, the minimum wage number. And as I do in the show, kind of broaden the spectrum and look at the international scale. How does our minimum wage compare or fare with other countries, uh, that I would say are comparable to, uh, Quebec and Canada? So I gathered some stats here. So first of all, Canada's range of minimum wage, it, it difference, it's a, there's a big difference between provinces. It goes from $1132 an hour to $16 an hour. But let's first, let's look at everywhere in the world here. So uh, there's, surprisingly, when I researched this subject, there's uh, some countries have very different kind of minimum wage uh, systems, right? Uh, and some country, a lot of countries have no minimum wage at all, which is also something to worry about. Um, but there's some, some countries work with age groups, let's say. So there's, uh, countries that have, uh, teenagers with a lower, uh, minimum wage than let's say over 18s or over 23s and there's some countries that work with skill sets. So if you have a high or uh, if you're a skilled worker versus a non-skilled worker, there's a, there's a whole spectrum of minimum wages. But, uh, for the purpose of this segment, um, I will be just taking a one number, change it to Canadian dollar and compare it face to face with Quebec's minimum wage. So one of the highest that I've seen is Australia. Uh, Australia, uh, workers over 21 are paid 1841 Canadian dollars an hour. Now, 1841 is just over the number, uh, the number that the labor unions are saying, uh, is enough to live with dignity, which is pretty decent. Uh, but Australia has a convoluted award system that, uh, can increase or decrease 
the minimum wage number, which is also an interesting concept. Now, if we go to the island just over New Zealand, uh, their minimum wage is 16.68 Canadian dollars an hour, which is pretty decent. If we go to France, it's 15.15 Canadian dollars. Ireland is 14.61 Canadian dollars. The UK goes to 14.39. Uh, Canadian dollars for 20 year olds and older uh, but uh, when you go to under 18 as I said before their minimum wage is 747 Canadian dollars per hour that's for under 18 that is uh, and I'd say that those countries are fairly comparable to Quebec and Canada so I feel like these statistics or these numbers for minimum wage should be achievable here and I mean, I understand that Quebec doesn't want to jump into into $18 an hour just yet, but I mean, we could probably get a bit more money than that. Let's be fair here. Um, let's be uh, <laughs> let's be fair here, because uh, I mean, $14 an hour if you're living on a rent in Montreal, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. I did it. Was in the red for months on end. So, in terms of uh, third story. So another pretty relevant story that is unfolding very rapidly right now, it's very new, uh, it's the trucker vaccination passport. Now, the trucker vaccination passport is a huge deal uh, because truckers, well, especially on the border, Canadian-USA border, we're talking about billions of dollars in goods that are being transported transported from one side to the other and these goods much of the uh, much of the goods that are being transported is food and that trucker transportation system is crucial to the supply chain of food and other things that goes all the way to Canada so the, this vaccine mandate that forces truckers to have uh, a vaccination passport to some degree to go through the country, uh, that leaves about 140,000 truckers out of the question. Just they can't go through. This is worrying because, I mean... It's insane. It's a, it, it's a lot of truckers that just are removed from the equation and they can't transport goods. And we're already seeing the impacts of that uh, because transportation costs uh, are rising because, well, for some reason, I mean, it's still unfolding right now, but it's been recorded that transportation costs, let's say from a truck that comes from Florida and goes all the way to Canada, it's been recorded that it the cost has doubled. So the costs of transportation doubling means that our food in the shelves that we're buying from the grocery stores, it's going to go up quite tremendously. So we're already going to feel, we're already feeling quite a lot of food inflation rates. Food is already becoming more and more expensive, but now it turns out that this trucker situation might bring uh, the prices e up even more. Now, I understand that uh, this vaccination mandate is consistent with the public health restrictions that Canada as a whole has been doing, but it might be very problematic and you know, there should be something done 
to alleviate the pressures that this 140,000 truckers out of a job will do to the supply chain for things to come here. So that's an interesting news there. Uh, better follow up on that because we will be seeing the results of this story in our grocery stores, probably everywhere in Canada. Now, final story. I'm going to leave you off with uh, a more, uh, let's say, lighthearted story. Uh, it's a funny one. Let's just let's just run the clip and you'll immediately understand what I'm talking about. Well, get this, a group of Canadian influencers filmed themselves partying massless on a flight, sparked a huge public outrage. And now they're all stuck in Mexico because airlines are refusing to fly them home. Yeah, no better way to teach someone a lesson than forcing them to spend more time in Cancun. <laughs> and these frozen drinks are for you guys too, you knuckleheads. Learn your lesson, never do that again. Bottomless Margies. Quebec influencers. <laughs> I mean, I could not not talk about this. Uh, this, lit this news literally went everywhere in the Commonwealth and probably outside the Commonwealth as well. Like, this, uh, this was big news early in January, so it's still in the time frame of this show, of this episode. <laughs> So let's just do a quick wrap up of what happened here. So the Quebec, the Canadian influencers that Jimmy Fallon here, that's, yeah, forgot to say, this is a clip from Jimmy Fallon. Um, yeah, the Quebec influence, the, the Canadian influencers are actually Quebec influencers. And uh, it's basically a group of popular kids who organize a flight to go to Tulum, Mexico. They reserved a whole plane for themselves through Sunwing. Footage got out that they were throwing a hell of a party in that plane. Uh, they were dancing, drinking, no masks, smoking. Can you believe that? Smoking? It's like the first rule in the planes. Like, it's the first thing that they tell you not to smoke. It's plastered everywhere. And, yeah, well, someone decided to smoke. It's just, you know... A great idea and some of them I mean for as a defense some of them started to throw out the weirdest excuses so that they don't get involved in this mess but I mean let's be honest some of them someone some of them even said that they were sleeping whilst there was a video of them partying it's it doesn't make sense but hey it's an absurd situation overall it's great very entertaining uh some of them were up and coming pilots yeah uh that's not gonna happen transport canada uh have their name on a list they're probably not gonna get their pilots pilots license and the organizer of this event james william awad uh tiptoed around to make some kind of apology but that was received with uh, mixed results let's say uh, during that process, while they were in Tulum, uh, Air Canada, Sunwing, Air Transat, they all put them on a list so that they cannot embark on a plane from their company, which is crazy. That must have been a ride to come back home. And when James William Award finally stepped on Quebec soil, uh, 
he stepped on Quebec soil through the border. So, I mean, that means he, I don't know how he came here, but he didn't come here through planes. Uh, he got intercepted by uh, Sûreté du Québec. And he got three fines of one thousand one five hundred and fifty dollars due to him breaking the curfew, which, I mean, this is poetic. This is poetic. Uh, it's such a crazy story. It was very entertaining to follow. Uh, I know that Transport Canada is currently investigating uh, some of the people that were in the plane. And uh, there was an Instagram page. The name slips my mind, but the Instagram page consistently leaked their messages in the group chat they had on Discord, which was infinitely entertaining to read. Uh, They were, at some degree, uh, a bit panicked about the situation they were currently in. I'm sure they're regretting their party. I'm sure the party was not that good considering a plane is quite a limited space. So I I don't know how you can effectively dance and, you know, have a good time. It seems pretty constricted. But I digress. Um, Yeah, so those are the news for this show. Uh, A nice little array of news. Uh, that I brought you here. Uh, I hope you had a good time listening to this. Uh, this will be on Spotify, CJLO's Spotify. So please go and check that out there if you have not gone gotten the opportunity to uh, listen to the whole show. And uh, yeah, I'll see you when I see you. Goodbye.